0: So I hope you're ready this morning. We're going to have a little walk with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get started pretty hot. Galatians 5, baby. We're going to start in verse 16. I hope you're ready. And if you're visiting today, get used to it. This is what we do. We preach the Word. We're not going to be shy about what the Word says, even when it makes us uncomfortable. Because we don't want to just be, oh, so-called Christians. We want to be like Christ. So it says in Galatians 5, verse 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit. See, the Spirit can't be just something you just believe or understand. You've got to walk with it. You've got to do something. There's action. There's power. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We're encouraged to walk by the Spirit. However, it also goes on to say that they're in direct conflict with each other. There is no mutual relationship between the Holy Spirit and the flesh. Either you're walking by the Spirit, or you're walking by the flesh. There's no in-between. And I know that may discourage you. Why this conflict? Well, verse 16 tells you exactly why we need that conflict. Look at what it says. So that you don't do whatever you want. Because if you just let your flesh reign, think of what you're going to do what you want. And unfortunately, it's not often what God desires. So we need to embrace this conflict. But we also need to understand the power of the Spirit. But see, it's not just that they're in conflict with each other, but what the flesh desires and what the Spirit desires are also in direct contrast to one another and the results that come from living by them. Here's a great quote. Instead of using... I'm human as an excuse to walk by the flesh. Try using I'm saved as a reason to walk by the Spirit. Amen? But we need to understand this conflict, so let's get into it. That's right, verse 19. The acts of the flesh, things you do, you must take ownership for. You can't blame God. Can't blame your mom and your dad. Can't blame the person sitting next to you. These are acts of your sinful nature. We're not here to look at the neighbor's sinful nature right now. We're to look at our sinful nature, and here's what it says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. I don't know what sin is. Really? I believe that when you're looking at your own sin. But it's amazing how when someone sins against you, it's really obvious. What happened? They're obvious. Let's read this. What? We we can read these things in church? We better start reading these in church. Sexual immorality. Got quiet. See, I find it really interesting that if we're supposedly a godly nation, it seems on the media the only sins that we're offended by is hatred and racism and gay marriage. But how many people who are claiming Christ are committing these sins rampantly? Where's the protest for immorality? Why aren't we upset about that? <laughs> Impurity. Makes billions and billions of dollars every year. Debauchery. That's a hard one for us who live in Texas and there's like a restaurant in every corner. Idolatry witchcraft oh we're not into that really do you seek a power or a source of power from anywhere other than god hatred well we see racism that's hatred that's what it is let's call what racism really is it's hatred and what's funny is the most segregated day of the week in this godly nation of ours is sunday what's up with that discord jealousy fits of rage Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Now you always wonder, like, isn't jealousy and envy the same? No, it's slightly different. Jealousy is, man, I really like that iPhone. Envy is, I deserve that iPhone more than you. It's a little bit deeper. Drunkenness, orgies, and if none of those got you yet, and the like. Well, what would that be? Well, think of the things that come from these, like the deceit. The stealing. The lying. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can claim you're a Christian all you want, but if you're living like this, Notice this living like. It doesn't say if you do it. We sin, right? Most of this list got all of us. A couple hundred times probably. Especially the older you are. Okay? Right? The key is not that we do it. When we do it and we're convicted and we see that it's the flesh, we're going to go to God and we're going to change. We're going to repent. But if you continue to live like this, even if we don't know it, God does. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is not my opinion. That is God's word. Let's talk about those sins on the media. How different a place it would be, amen? But then we get to the good part. See, I wanted to start off with the bad, and now I want to end with the awesome. See, I think we stop at 21. Oh, that's me. Yeah? Yeah? But this next one could be you too. But the fruit of the Spirit. Notice it's not Acts anymore. See, Acts, that's on you. Fruit, that comes from God. You can't do it on your own. If you're trying to have these qualities out of your own human power, good luck, it ain't going to happen. It's got to come from a relationship with God, having His Spirit, and it itself produces the fruit of these things in your life. All we can produce is the acts of the flesh. But let's see what it says the Spirit can do in us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, and that's a big if. We need to know how we do that. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Who would like those qualities in your life? In your home? In your city? In our nation? It could happen! But not if we keep living by the flesh. How many of us have claimed Christ, and the reality is we're living by the flesh. But if we're living by the Spirit, it's going to also be obvious. When someone truly has the fruit of joy in their life, it's obvious. It's obvious. When someone has the fruit of love in their life, it's obvious. When someone has faithfulness, it's obvious. When someone has self-control, it's obvious. This is powerful. You have to belong to Christ, though. In order for it to empower you to crucify the flesh. Verse 25 and 26. Since we live by the Spirit. See, God's assuming we're going to. So we haven't yet. Get going. Stop waiting. Let's get it now. Let us keep in step with. What are you keeping in step with right now? Is it with the Spirit? Or is it with your flesh? Because you're going somewhere. Where are your steps leading you? Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. There's the first sign if you know if you're walking in the Spirit or not. If you don't have reconciled relationships, you're not walking in the Spirit. You aren't. If we're conceited, if we're envying, if we're provoking one another, we're critical toward one another, we're negative toward one another, you are not walking by the Spirit doesn't mean we don't have conflict. Remember, that's a natural conflict, spirit and flesh. A lot of flesh in here. But there could be a lot of spirit in here too. And if we live by it, how different will our relationships be? I guarantee you that if we were all with each other in our normal environments, we would be having a lot of trouble. But because we removed ourselves from those things, and we're focused 24-7, whether they're a Christian or not, Serving others rather than ourselves, it's amazing what happens. That's how we keep in step with the Spirit. Life through the Spirit, Romans 8, verse 5. We're gonna have a little journey with the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind is governed by the flesh, is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, I hope that's true, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, then do not belong to Christ. We need to stop worrying about doctrines on baptism, this and that. It's clear. If you don't have God's spirit the way he says you have it, it doesn't matter what you believe, you're not in Christ. It's that simple. And the acts of the flesh are obvious, and the fruit of the spirit are obvious. You've got to ask yourself, is it in you? Because if it's not, no matter what you believe, you're not in Christ. That's what it says. It's not my words. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, that's pretty powerful, right? Can you do that? Have you ever any, raised anything from the dead? It would take some power, right? If that power, that Spirit is in you, Wow. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Why are we giving into the flesh if we have the spirit within us? If it can raise us from the dead, can it help us overcome our sin? Yes. But see, again, we see not only the conflict between the spirit and the flesh, but the extreme contrast of living according to it. Let's look at it quickly. If we live according to the flesh, this is what's going to happen. The first one, our minds are set on what the flesh desires. Just go back to Galatians 5.19 and you'll know exactly what the flesh desires. It also means our minds are governed by the flesh, not your flesh governed by your mind. Did you get that? See, we think we're in charge. We think we govern all our decisions. The Bible's saying No. The mind is governed by the flesh. And if that's true, it's death. What's the next one? Mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. I love you, Jesus. And then you go and be impure. That's no worship. That's hostility. You want to show me you're a Christian? Don't show me today. Show me Monday. Show me Tuesday. Show me Wednesday when you get up grumpy. Show me Friday when you're just wanting to go party. Are you hostile to God by how you're really living? What's the next one? It does not submit to God's law. And the verse says, nor can it. You ever wonder why you're frustrated? Why can't I overcome the flesh? Because you're trying to do it on your power. It's impossible! You can't do it! Only the Spirit can enable you. It does not submit to God's law. And the last one, those in the realm of the flesh... Cannot please God. But I love God. Really? Really? What about living according to the spirit? Let's see if you'd prefer this in your life. Mindset on what the spirit desires. Man, what would the spirit desire? I think we just read it. Joy. Anyone want that? Peace, Kindness? love. I mean, come on, which do you prefer? I, I mean, when you really start thinking about it, why would we even want the flesh? It's all negative. There's nothing positive. Maybe a temporary pleasure, followed by real regret and shame and guilt and all the other consequences that follow. There are no bad consequences for living by the Spirit. Yeah, this should be easy. Minds governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Man, don't we want that today? The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Which do you prefer? Do you want to walk in the flesh? Or do you want to walk in the Spirit? It's a choice. It's a decision of faith followed by some really tough obedience. But let's not ignore that passage too quickly that says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Christ. That's a pretty strong statement, don't you think? And if it's true, which I believe the Bible is, that's my conviction, then we've got to know how to receive it if we don't have it, don't you think? And if we have it, we got to know how to continue to allow it to work in our lives. And so I want to end the message with a couple verses that's going to help us understand this amazing gift, the Holy Spirit. How do we get it? John 3, verse 1 through 8. Born of water and spirit. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at, not during the day where it could be seen, At night. Have you ever noticed you tend to try to do certain things in the dark? It means you're walking in the flesh. Someone walking in the spirit puts everything in the light, even the bad things in our lives. He came at night. He was afraid of what his fellow compatriots might think. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And then the next verse I love this about Jesus. He never answers what you originally asked. He answers the question you were afraid to ask. Because Nicodemus actually didn't ask a question. He just kind of, you know, brown-nosed him a little bit. But Jesus just gets to the point, like, okay, I know what your real question is. And here's his answer. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one, including a Pharisee like you, can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I could just imagine Nicodemus away. I don't remember asking that question. But before he could respond, Jesus kept going. How can so many be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked? Surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's womb to be born. Praise God for that, because moms would be in trouble. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. Three times, pretty important, right? The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. When you receive the Spirit, it's not something like miraculous lights and special effects. But like wind, you can see its effects on you. When you really walk in the Spirit, it's obvious when it's in your life. The only way to get the Spirit, and don't forget, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not in Christ. And so it's more important than not, how do I get in Christ? It's, how do I get the Spirit? Because if I have the Spirit, I am in Christ. And what's it say here? What are the key components of being born again it says we must be born of water and spirit must not possibly good idea it's must it also adds this flesh gives birth to flesh so without going into greater detail it shows that something needs to remove the flesh because if we're still flesh that's all it produces Something has to kill that flesh. Something has to remove that flesh before you can even get to the next one. The Spirit gives birth the Spirit. So I wonder when that happens. How do we do that? Wow! one really interesting verse that started the whole church of true followers of Jesus, Acts 2.38. Peter replied, Repent! Of what? Your flesh! And be baptized wait, wait. in Jello pudding? Jello? That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Water? Oh, wait a minute! Didn't Jesus say, "Born of water"? But where's the Spirit? Where's the Spirit, Derek? I just got, okay. I get the water now. Well, I'm not done. Every one of you. Oh, there's no exceptions. See, if, if we really, all we need to do is the sinner's prayer, wouldn't Jesus just say to Nicodemus, let me tell you real quickly how we can solve this. Just say this prayer. Right? I mean, if that's how we're going to be in Christ, wouldn't Jesus tell us? But he doesn't, does he? And in fact, you won't find it anywhere in the Bible. So why do we believe it? Because we like our flesh. Because I can come to church and go, Lord! And then go do what I want to do. Let's just be honest. That was me. 23 years. I tried every denomination possible. I even did la 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 la. I did all that stuff. And now, you want me to do it again? But I was not spiritual. I didn't have the spirit in me because I didn't do what Jesus said is necessary to get the spirit. It says, for the forgiveness of your sins. Wait, flesh gives birth to flesh. How do we get rid of the flesh? Only by repenting of the flesh, being baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, so he can do what? Forgive the flesh. Now it's removed. Now you're clean. Now it's empty. Now guess what can come in? Spirit that gives birth to spirit. Why do we do it? You'll receive a gift. Oh, baptism's a work. No, it isn't. You can't earn it. It's just a faith acceptance. I'm a sinner. I did what you said. If you said jello, I would do jello. But now that I've done it, I'm thankful for forgiveness, but I know if I still go off my power, I'm in trouble. God says, I got it covered. But we had to get rid of that first. You had to see how much you need me. Now, let me give you this here, 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 camera, right here. Come, come, get your gift, right here. No, Cassidy, you want, you want the gift? Yeah, And we get that, but I wonder, are you leaving it wrapped? Because he may give you the gift, but if you don't unwrap it, it doesn't do you very good. We gotta unwrap that baby. I know how you were on Christmas. Thank you. I'll, I'll do it later, mom. You're like, if you haven't done it like earlier and then retaped it. Whoa, what's in there? What's Oh, yeah, thank you, Bob. I love you. Right? It's a gift. Wow. So let's unwrap it this morning. Let's see what this amazing gift is. John 16, verse 7. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you or counselor. But if I go... I'll send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong. We don't need to protest the wrong of our nation. God will take care of that all by himself. We don't do it, he does it on his timing. We just need to help people. We need to love people. All right? He'll take care of it. What wrong? About sin. Not just the ones you see on the media, but the list we read earlier. Righteousness, what we really do desire, and will truly make this nation great. And judgment. You can't have mercy without judgment. See, we want mercy. Give me mercy. Give me mercy. But without judgment, you can't have mercy. If you've not been judged for the offense, how can He pardon you with mercy? You've got to have both about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you. I won't be doing it today, just in case you're concerned and you're getting hungry. More than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, not the spirit of your opinion, not the spirit of your emotions, Not the spirit of your feelings. Spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. Not all your opinions. Not all your emotions. Not all your feelings. But all truth. But here's an interesting thing. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. I wonder who that's from. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. Because it's from me that he will receive what will be made known to you. So if he only says what he hears, who is the one speaking to him? Jesus. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what we will make known to you. See, the Spirit is not only limited to working internally in Christians. It works in the world. It's judging. It's it's working. Now, they may respond, they may not, but it's out there. We, don't, we, need, we need to not be so concerned about the loss that it all depends on us. The Spirit is already working on it. If we were honest, we know the Spirit was working externally in our life way before we got it internally. And so we need to be praying. That's why we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Because if the Spirit is working on your neighbor next door, but you never knock on that door, how is the Spirit going to help him? Right? We've got to work together here. For those who have it internally, the Spirit is our advocate, a counselor. That means it doesn't do it for you. (laughs) He watches. He speaks. He guides. But it won't work unless you listen to it, unless you take its advice over your own. Wow. Are you listening to the Spirit? Before you answer that question, you might want to pay attention to a few points we just read. The Spirit guides you into all truth. The Spirit will not speak on his own. The Spirit only speaks what he hears. And the Spirit will make known to you what it receives from Jesus. So before you say, I'm listening to the Spirit. First, you've got to ask, if Jesus wouldn't say it, or you can't find it in the Word then you're not listening to the Spirit. Oh, but the Spirit told me I should, I should flirt to convert. I mean, I just felt that this is the one for me. I feel that where does the Spirit say to do that in the Bible? It's not going to tell you to do anything that the Bible would say otherwise. Oh, the Spirit tells me if you can't fight in the Word, you're listening to a completely different spirit. Right? So we got to get in the word. Amen. But here's my favorite verse. Let's unwrap this gift a little bit more. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed. Huh. So when you believe is very important here. The wind means something. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. See, this passage basically just shows us baptism is not a work. It is an act of faith, obedient faith, because it says we're included in Christ when. Now let's look at the when, the timing. Of what takes place? You heard the message of truth. That's the first point. Move to the bullet points there. You heard the gospel of salvation. You believed. When is that moment of belief? It says at the same time, you're sealed. With what? Okay, we read earlier, you repent. Has it been sealed yet? But you had to believe to repent, right? But that belief's not complete, is it? Okay, so then you had to be baptized because the Bible says to do it in water. And at that moment, yeah, you haven't got the Spirit yet, right? Because something has to take place in that water. Some of us need to be held down a little bit longer. A few more seconds. Right? I mean, I'm going to have to start, you know, asking if the budget and the church can help some of our disciples' pools because they're getting dirty with sin. But once they're forgiven... And that moment, it says, when you believed and you were marked, what moment is that belief actually saving faith? When the Spirit gets in you. Because, see, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not in Christ. So you can pray whatever prayer you want, but if you don't receive the Spirit as the way God defines it, you're not in Him. It's that moment you believe is when you're sealed. But that's not the best part. Here's the best part it's a guarantee, it's a warranty. Have, Have any of you ever cracked your phone? I'm amazed at how many people still walk around with their cracked phone. And I understand, because I cracked it once. I'm like, oh, I'm not paying to replace that. And why is it? Because we don't have a warranty that covers that, right? But what if, what if we all had a warranty that no matter what happened, no matter what crack, you could immediately turn it in for the nice, clean new one? Would you do it? Then why aren't you doing it spiritually? You have a cracked spiritual phone in your life. You're walking around with, it, yeah, I got some cracks. But it says if we have the spirit, we have a warranty. That means we can take this phone, our cracked spiritual cell, to God because we've confessed, we repented, we got in the word, we got to change. God, I'm sorry, man, I cracked your phone. I got a cover. Give it to me. Can I just give you, like, the case? That's not going to fix the crack. Okay, I'll just. I'll just say how I did it. I won't get to all of the cracks. Then you're not going to get to give it all. Just let it out. Here you go, God, it's bad. And you know what he does? No, he goes, I got it. Here you go, buddy. Brand spanking new. What? So I hope there's a lot of cracked spiritual phones turned in today. Because you got a guarantee! Guys, that's awesome! I think I just pulled my calf right there. Woo! I got excited. Amen? We got two left. Let's finish some wrapping this gift. Romans 8, verse 12 through 15. We have an obligation if we have this gift. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. See, it wasn't my opinion, it said it, right? So no one could go, Derek said we have an obligation. The Bible told you. Okay. It's right there. I'm just reading like you. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. We're going we to learn that's not a good way to live. For if you live according to the flesh, in case you haven't got it yet, you'll die. Pretty plain. But if by the Spirit, wait, did you catch that? Not by your flesh, not by your power, not by your convictions, not by your beliefs, but by the Spirit you put to death. The misdeeds of the body you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption as sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. What is our obligation? To live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. But did you look at all the benefits? I didn't see any for the the flesh part, did you? I think the only thing it said is, you die. Okay, so that's your first choice, guys. How about all our teens that are not yet baptized as disciples? You haven't received the Spirit, so you can't belong to Christ yet. I know you've been raised in the church. But if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Him. Why would you want to live by the flesh? All you get is death. But you could have this, this wonderful gift. Look what it says. You are children of God. And as a parent of children, man, there's not much I won't do for my children. What will God do for us when we're his children? You are no longer slaves to fear. There should be an amen to that. Let me say it again. You are no longer, not, oh, for a little while. It says no longer, like not again, ever. No longer. A slave to fear! Okay, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Maybe you still don't feel this part yet. You're adopted. And he adopted when you were at your worst. Did you ever think of that? He didn't adopt you when you're at your best. He adopted when you're at your worst. Woo! So I can only get better from there. That's awesome. But you share in his sufferings. Oh, I don't like that part. Yeah, Jesus didn't like going to the cross for you either. But he did it. And shouldn't we? And in fact, it says you got to share in that in order to share in his glory. Can't have the glory without the suffering. I don't know about you guys. Death and all these benefits. I'm starting to feel pretty strongly I'm going this way. How about you? Death. Do I have any hands for Death. None? No take? Come on. Get to the Spirit? Oh, we're getting excited now. That's awesome. So let's conclude. One more passage. You're going to like this one as we wind down. Romans 8, verse 26. What about even when you desire to live by the Spirit, but that flesh just, oh man, it it just keeps conflicting with you? It's that battle. What do you do then? Well, here's the coolest part about this gift, guys. When you don't even know what to say or do, how to feel or how to think, it's thinking for you. It's doing something for you. It's interceding for you. And you know this is true because this happens to me all the time. I'm sure Todd would agree with this. Where someone comes up at you, Derek, 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 did you have a video in my room? How did you know? Was that message written for me? Yeah, actually, we do. No, I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't, we're, not watching, we're not watching. No. See, when, when the Spirit's in you, and we're going to read this in a minute, it's communicating for you. It's like continual Wi-Fi, no matter how far you get. It just keeps going. It doesn't drop signal. Okay? It's still going. And you're like, oh, oh. oh. It's speaking. And see, if we're hopefully walking well with the Spirit, Todd, I hope we as ministers are doing that. We're sitting there. We're reading the Word. Wait, i got a message. Yeah, maybe I need to do that. And it's funny how a lot of times it's because we're struggling with the same thing. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah, let's do a message on that. I really don't put your name there on the first point. I really don't. Maybe the second, but the first point, it's definitely, I didn't know. Has that happened to you? So what's that mean? The Spirit's working! Let's close with this, man. This is awesome. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever been there? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And God understands groans, by the way, just like your mom does. Hmm. It knows. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. See, when that Spirit's in you, guys, it knows everything about you. Not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it, what you're thinking, what the motive is. I'm sorry, it's it's a great gift, but there are, you know, side things that are a little challenging. It knows everything about you. And aren't we glad for that? Because when we're too prideful, we're not humble, we're not willing to be open, we're not willing to repent, the Spirit is still working for us. It's interceding for us. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit, this gift, if we open it, helps us in our weakness. It intercedes for us even when we don't know it is. So when you get that message where you think it's your first point, it's not because we're like mind readers. It's because the Spirit has been speaking for you. And though the rest of us, when we walk in the Spirit, we can hear those messages. And we can help one another. This is why how you are doing spiritually is not just about you. It's about being available and ready to help the brothers and sisters next to you. Amen? God works in a powerful way. And how does it work? It intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That, that's powerful. Guys, we're going to get there. We're going to learn to put to death the flesh. We're going to learn to live by the spirit. It is working on our behalf. So what have we learned today? There's a conflict, guys. Flesh and the spirit. And when we see the outcome of living by one or the other, we also see a big contrast. If you don't have this amazing gift, if you don't know for sure that you've received this amazing gift, do not leave today without asking someone next to you, who has that gift, to speak the message of truth to you. And if you have that gift, don't leave it unwrapped. Open it up. Let's walk in the Spirit. Amen.